You're listening to the Men Who Made Me podcast, all about discovering healthy masculinity, male identity, and more, as told by the men who made us. You're listening to part two of our two-part conversation with Luke Bobo, an old colleague, friend, and co-author of mine, who's been a faithful man who made me over the last few years in Kansas City. He's been around and a help as I've navigated big questions on life, faith, and calling. And he's shaped not only my career, but my personhood over the years. Check out part one if you haven't already. But today, we're picking up the conversation where we left off, asking Luke more on the topics of race, relationships, and what he calls the wisdom of grandmas. Here we go, the rest of our two-part conversation with Luke Bobo. Is that pizza coming later? Um, at 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's dinner time somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got frozen pizza. <laughs> That's what you're looking for. <laughs> there will be snacks somewhere after this. <laughs> so, um, you do a lot of work with racial reconciliation, mm-hmm. both um, within the church, the academy. As a black man, we know that you're more than just that definition, but as a black man, mm-hmm. what perspective do you have on masculinity as it's tied to race? as of right now in 2023. Hmm. Yeah, I said this earlier. Um, I think um, many African-American males struggle with um, manhood because for years we've had to um, fight for being treated with dignity and Mm. respect. And uh, I think I think that that ship is on many shoulders of African American males. Um, see me, recognize me um, for what I bring to the table, um, and that's why many African American African American men and people in, in particular were told by their parents, "You have to work twice as hard. Mm-hmm. You have to get twice as many degrees. You have to stay twice as long at work." To be recognized. So um, I think, and I think it was Arthur Brooks who coined the phrase dignity deficit. I think a lot of African American men struggle with dignity deficit Mm. and they're trying to overcome that by being the most or working harder. Mm. And I also think it depends on. Um, where, for example, and I'm speaking in general terms here, if you are raised in the hood, there's a certain level of uh, getting street cred. So you have to prove that you're a man by doing certain things, you know, in the way you dress, in the way you talk, the way you treat women, um, versus those who come from homes where they have a certain, a, a better socioeconomic status. So I think it depends. It's a, it's a complicated question, and I think it depends on where you are on the socioeconomic spectrum, and if you have two parents in the home. Because if you're in the hood, there's a certain definition of manhood that 
you have to live up to to be counted as a man. And but even in the suburbs or uh, in more affluent areas, uh, just because you are in those affluent areas, you, sometimes you find yourself struggling to be regarded as a man. Uh, I think about um, a very famous St. Louis Cardinals baseball player, African-American. His sons were raised in a very affluent area in the suburbs of St. Louis. And at times they were pulled over by the police. And so um, manhood, the struggle with manhood uh, runs the gamut. It runs the spectrum in the African-American community among males. Um, I, I think those in the hood probably struggle the most with that, with that question, with that as an identity. If I'm if I'm making sense, mm -hmm. I think that's been one of my big takeaways from doing this podcast is just un starting to unpack some of the layers within mm -hmm. masculinity. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, specifically race, socioeconomic status, mm -hmm. um, because there's so much there underneath the surface, that's, that's right, yeah. and it's so unique to each person that's as right. well. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious to hear what, um, you know, what perspectives, advice, encouragement would you um, offer to maybe specifically men who are navigating um, race as one of these layers of masculinity? Mm -hmm. um, a, a white or a black, or does it matter? Um, just whatever, yeah, whatever you have thoughts on, either way. Mm -hmm. Well, um I suppose it begins with learning. <laughs> um, I have a good friend, his name is Chris Brooks. I think Paige has heard his name before. Pastors in Detroit, Michigan. He says, we should learn first, and then his next step is lament, and then launch. Is uh, I love the alliteration. You can tell he's a preacher. <laughs> um, but I, I, I suppose it begins with learning. Um, learning from books, but also learning from just observation on how to navigate. And, and, and Paul talks about this with Timothy um, in the New Testament to learn from older men. So I, I just would encourage men to get to find older advisors that they can walk with. Um, Older men may be older, but they are certainly, in most cases, and this is not true with all older men, but in many cases, they are wiser. So um, I suppose to navigate in this, in this world means learning. And again, that comes by reading good books, learning by observing, it also means finding an older mentor who can give you advice. And I'll often say it's, it's good to have advisors who are people of the same race as you and people who are, uh, are of a different race uh, because you get a more well-rounded perspective. And then 
you, you can't you can't go wrong by if you're a Christian, you cannot go wrong with reading God's word. Uh, because it's, it's through God's word that we actually can help cultivate wisdom. Or we can put it this way, reading God's word can help us to better uh, walk this, this Christian life. It, it's, it's, it's true truth. Uh, Dr. Schaefer, Francis Schaefer, will often say, the scriptures are true truth. And, and Christ is Lord over all of life, which means we can find ways to navigate this life by reading and digesting true truth on, on a regular basis. Not, I read uh, Christianity Today. Uh, I was just browsing through it, uh, the most recent issue. 39% of all Christians read, read the Bible. That means 61% do not. That's, that's, that is awful. That is, that is surprising. Well, perhaps it's not surprising. But it just startled me that those numbers were, were so out of balance. So, um, there you have it. That's my story. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm struck by the, um, the posture of listening and observing some of the advice you were giving really comes back to the virtue of humility. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I feel like so many of these questions have been tied together of walking into a situation or not assuming a layer about somebody, mm -hmm. but being curious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was Gabe that had the saying, if you've met one person, you've met one person. Like if mm -hmm. you've met one woman, you've met one woman. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the same, mm -hmm. my, be true of uh, race or diversity or culture as mm -hmm. well. Of you might have some perspective coming into something, but the more curiosity mm -hmm. you can give someone is really down to humility. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? No, oh, absolutely, right? absolutely. Um, Brian Stevenson, who founded the Equal Justice Initiative, um, speaks about this in his book Just Mercy. At the very beginning of the book, and I love grandmas. And he said his grandma gave him this wisdom. And I'm a paraphrase. Brian Stevenson's grandmother said to him, uh, Brian, to understand important things about people or something like that, you have to come close. So it's one thing to read about someone in a book, but it's another thing to come physically, physically close to them mm. to hear their story. And as Gabe alluded to um, knowing just page is not enough I need to know other people of your race mm -hmm. and likewise that's why I cannot that's why I cannot assume that's why I, I cannot assume that uh, Paige is going to be like Becky Becky is going to be like Susan mm -hmm. it should prevent me from assuming as I get to know other people. And it should also prevent me from uh, developing or perpetuating stereotypes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think it, I think it behooves us as Christians to come close, grab a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage and, and get to know people and 
we might find that we're so similar in many ways to that person across the table. Mm. But yeah, um, I think curiosity is something we don't talk enough about in the church, is to be curious enough to ask people questions. Tell me your story. Mm. I had a, a colleague, a philosophy teacher, she said when she sat down with a person for the first time, she would say to that person, tell me your story. And I think people are, are eager for, to tell you their story. If, if we just give people um, another friend, and I wish I came up with some of these things, uh, but another friend said, give people the gift of unhurried time and, and let them tell you their story. Isn't, isn't that beautiful? The gift of unhurried time and a culture that is hurried, <laughs> mm. right? Mm. Yeah, so it, it takes time and it takes being intentional and it takes a listening posture. Um, yeah, back to Francis Schaeffer, he said if he had 60 minutes with the unbeliever, he would spend the first 55 minutes listening. Mm. And then the last five minutes saying something that had substance. Um, yeah, so we, if we had that posture of just listening. Mm. And, and really, I think listening is a way to dignify someone too. Not to cut them off, but to listen to a story. Yeah. Hmm. You mentioned the, the wisdom of grandmas. Um, I'd be curious to hear some of the roles women have played in forming your idea of masculinity um, over the span of your life. Yeah, so I began with my mom. Um, she had to drop out of high school because she had me um, as a teenager. Um, but she has taught me how to be a man by and I, as, as I think about Jesus, Jesus was sacrificial. And my mom has been sacrificial. Um, my mom has uh, engendered in me this love for learning. And I remember Jaron Barr saying to us men at seminary, um, our mothers have been great teachers to us. And so this whole notion of humility means um, and manhood and the connection there is learning from, from your moms. Um, and I, I suppose another thing my mom has taught me is this uh, notion of, of um, resiliency. Um, and there's many times she should have abandoned some relationships but because of her commitment to to God she's she stuck it out and so what does that teach me that teaches me to be resilient to have a stick to itness um, I think a lot of men today um, first sign of trouble they're out <laughs> you know? um, again I, I think there's something in the formula that we need to change when it comes to raising our, our men today. I'm not sure what that is, 
And then I, I think about my grandmother, Willa Mae Bobo, the wife of Henry. Um, she taught me how to be um, gentle. Um, I was, as my sister says, Luke, I know you, you, you haven't always been a Christian. <laughs> and so when I wasn't a Christian, I was just mischievous. And my grandmother was just so gentle with me. So um, her gentleness, her patience, um, I've learned that those are good qualities for a man as well. And um, another thing I've learned from my four foot 11 grandmother is, is courage. Uh, I, I found out, I already knew this, that she was pretty strong, but I found out later that um, every Wednesday, this is during Jim Crow, every Wednesday she and my aunt would get dressed up in their Sunday best and sit at a counter at a convenience store in Kansas City, Kansas, downtown, where... At that time, blacks couldn't sit at the, the counter. And so they would defy an order and just sit at this counter and, and dare the authorities to ask them to leave. So just that courage, um, that's just one illustration of her courage. So th those are some, those are two key women in my life that have, have groomed me um, to be, I think, a, a husband, a father. <clears throat> kind of in the same vein, and this is a conversation we've had before, but one of my favorite things about this podcast, about these interviews that I've wanted to showcase is the friendship that gets to happen between men and women. I think that there's so much brokenness when it comes to femininity and masculinity and, and the relationship between the two. But I think what I love most about our friendship, Luke, is that it's it's just that. It's mm -hmm. a friendship, and, and you've certainly been a mentor and at one point a supervisor to me as well. But So sorry for that. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I'm repenting. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. But I, I just really care about the way that men and women can be in relationship and and be friends. Mm -hmm. And so, um, if that's one of the initiatives, I guess I have from this podcast, what, what advice do you have for men and women to be able to restore those relationships or I don't know, just to, to be able to be friends with one another? Yeah. It's, it's sad that we live in a culture and I, and I point to the church at times. <laughs> I remember vividly this day in class in seminary there was only one female in the class it's about a hundred men in this class she's the only female and the professor said something like the following he said he would never ride in a car with a female <laughs> i think that's just ludicrous i think it's absurd because on one hand, you can, you can 
you cannot guarantee that you would never ride in a car with a female because there may be occasion where you're stranded and you get picked up by a female. <laughs> but I think that type of teaching needs to change that somehow the female is the culprit or the reason why men fall morally. <laughs> so I, I would say to your audience, some of my best friends are females. And I think that's because for, for many females, I can be very vulnerable. <laughs> You know, back to what I said earlier to you, Caleb, I, I think a lot of men struggle with not knowing how to be vulnerable with other men because they fear that they might be perceived as not being manly. Um, and I, I think I think if we work on our integrity and our, our being virtuous, that would that will rule out any suspicion. Not all suspicion people will still be suspicious. But I think as sisters and brothers, we can, within the, within the kingdom, within the church, I think it gives a plenty of room to have friendships across genders. Um, and I just think it, I think it starts with, again, teaching in the home a good friend of mine, and you know the name, Denise Daniels, said that um, she did some research and she found that many women in C-suite positions haven't been asked to serve in very key positions in the church. They, they run these corporations, but yet they're not being asked to run committees in the church. To me, that's absurd. Um, these women are not being asked to play golf with other men. That's absurd. Um, and, and the analogy is for the longest in the black church, for example, we were told we shouldn't drink alcohol. And I think that it was, it was done out of good intentions because alcohol can wreck a person and a family if, if it's abused. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't think it was, I don't think that, that law quote unquote was thought through. And likewise, I think we don't think thoughtfully about male and female relationships well mm. because of some of the the bad examples. Mm. And we 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 take the bad examples and we assume that, that every male and female relationship is going to end badly. Mm. And that's not fair. Mm. And that's not that's not just and that's not being thoughtful. I appreciate you thinking well about that mm -hmm. and helping to turn the tide. So have Caleb on my side, so that makes two <laughs> of us. Let's do it, Caleb. Way to go. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Like Caleb in the Bible. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so you've probably you've mentioned a couple men who had a really mm -hmm. big impact on you. Yeah. Um, we're at the part of the podcast where we ask the question, who is a man? made you and mm -hmm. why have they had a lasting impact do you think mm -hmm. yeah and I like to rephrase that question by saying um, who are the men who are continually making me mm -hmm. because it's not a one and done mm -hmm. 
So um, it's, a, it's an ongoing process. Again, because no one has arrived at this, at being a perfect man. Uh, so I mentioned these two men earlier, um, Henry Bobo, my granddad, who, who was a star athlete in high school, uh, could have gone pro, but I think he was called to serve in the Navy. Uh, he and my grandmother eloped. Um, I think she was 16, he was 18. But they were married 67 years before my grandmother passed. So just as gentle, uh, quiet, he was brilliant, very gentle with my grandmother. And often when my grandmother developed dementia later in life, um, my grandpa who didn't cook before developed uh, or started cooking for my grandmother. He would call her baby. She would say, Henry, Henry, Henry. Uh, he would respond, yes, baby. Yes, baby. <laughs> Here's his rugged, I mean, you feel his hands. He was a brick mason. So his hands were chaffed and rough. Football player, basketball player, served in World War II. And for him to be so gentle with my grandmother when she was a weak lamb. I often use them in the illustration when I preach on Psalm 23 um, for that reason, because he was like a shepherd to her. And she was a weak little lamb. And so um, he has left a, a lasting impression on me. Again, I can count on one hand a number of men that have said, I love you, to me. And he was one of them. Uh, and then the other person is uh, Professor Jerem Bars, um, my professor at Covenant Seminary in St. Louis. The way he treated his wife, Vicki, uh, it was just so beautiful. Um, and this British accent, yes, yes, Vicky. <laughs> he would make her breakfast in bed, and it was just beautiful the way he treated her. And and heretofore, I hadn't seen that type of treatment of a wife before, and so that has left left a lasting impression on me. Um, and before. I'll put it this way. Um, I know Cosby is a, Bill Cosby is a, a bad name these days, but the role he played in, in the Huxables, the Cosby show, I mean, that was, if we, if we cast aside for a moment his indiscretions outside of show, show business, his role as a father on that show was very formative for me. The way he treated Claire Huxtable and supported her and was her cheerleader. Um, that's why I try to be uh, a cheerleader for my wife, my daughter, and for Paige. Um, I love shrinking to the background. I've learned over the years that our job 
in many ways as Christians is to help the other person. And uh, that, means, that means shrinking. And maybe that's what John talked about when he said, I must decrease and he must increase. You know, what, what, what would this world be like if we all had the posture of shrinking for the benefit of our fellow man? What would it look like if we decreased so that others might increase? That'd be a beautiful thing, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of a t-shirt that, the t-shirt got smaller, not me. Uh, <laughs> so the t-shirt's a problem. T-shirt said, if, if, we, if everyone cared for one person, everyone would be cared for. Hmm. <laughs> Isn't that true? Mm -hmm. So. So we also like to ask um, each guest, are there any examples of masculinity in fictional characters or pop culture characters that you look to for positive examples mm -hmm. of manhood? Yeah, one was... Um, um, the one I just mentioned, Mr. Huxable on the Cosby Show. Um, fiction was um, Tim Russert. He was a broadcaster, actually. It wasn't so he wasn't fictional, but he wrote a great book on fatherhood that I, I highly recommend that fathers read. So him, the Huxable character. Um, and to some degree, the uh, the father on the TV show Blackish, I don't, I, I think his first name is Anthony. Um, in many ways, his family, his portrayal of a African American family in America, was like was like ours, not the one that my wife and I had with our kids. Um, so those three, uh, Tim Russert, I believe I'm pronouncing his name correctly. The Huxable character, not so. In this case, you don't want art to imitate life. <laughs> and then, um, who's the third person I mentioned? I mentioned Tim Russell. Blackish. Blackish, the guy on Blackish, the father. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. Awesome. Is there anything else that you'd like to add, or anything else you'd like to say? Mm, I've probably said enough. Um, <laughs> Um, this make me sound good. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb's job. I just, um, just for the record, I just, Caleb, I, I just think highly of Paige. She's, um, she's quiet. She's brilliant. She's funny as all get out. Um, so, I'm, I'm a big fan of hers. And, I keep telling her when she makes it big, don't forget, don't forget this man that made you. <laughs> <laughs> I drive your limo or carry your bags or be your receptionist. <laughs> so now you've flattered each of us. Yeah. One at the beginning, one at the end. We're all happy. He really wants us good at it, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I hope it's obvious that as much as we joke and kid and know how to push each other's buttons, <laughs> that there is a lot of love between our hosts and our guests. 
It strikes me that it's rare to get to interview or tell people so directly how much they've made an impact on your life. How cool it is to share with folks that made you in some way, the real guide or influence they had on your life. And it got me thinking that maybe we're not meant to miss out on that. Maybe it doesn't require a podcast or a microphone at all. Maybe it's meant to be this regular rhythm of our relationships in our life. Just some existential thoughts for your week. Thanks to Caleb Miller, Bethany Van Epps, and Emmy Stewart for your collective work on the podcast. This wouldn't happen without you. Thanks to Smith the Mister for the use of their music on this episode. And thanks, as always, to you, the listener. If you like our show, let us know what you think by giving us a rating, review, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on Instagram, if that's your thing, at Men Who Made Me. We hope you'll join us again for another episode of The Men Who Made Me. Thanks for tuning in.